Welcome to Mod Pod, Museum of Dance podcast, where we explore why we dance. I'm Hilary Palanza, your host. With us today is Anna Holter. Born and raised in Stockholm, Holter left for Munich in 1995 to finish her dance education at the Ivinson International School of Contemporary Dance, where she graduated in 1997. Since then, she has worked internationally as a dancer, choreographer, and teacher. After 18 years abroad, Anna moved back to Stockholm in 2013. Holter's dance company is currently working on Moving Isolation, a digital dance project, artistic diary, and series of short films with 19 artists from all over the world. The short films from four to six minutes and highlight freelancing artists, dancers, and choreographers stuck in isolation in their homes, illustrating their responses to the pandemic. The films have been shared on social media for over 10,000 people and through support from the Goethe Institute. The films were recently shortlisted for the Feel Good Festival and awarded first place at the Roses Theatre UK. Anna, what a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Hilary, thank you for having me. It's a really pleasure and it's really an honor to be here with you today. Absolutely. I, I'd love to share with our listeners the background of each of our interviewees. Can you tell us what life was like for you growing up in Stockholm and actually when it was that you first discovered dance in your life? Uh, I did some dancing as uh, a six-year-old. I remember taking dance class. It was more like a playing activity for a year. And then that was replaced by theater classes for a few years. But then with 11, yet again, I booked, uh, or my parents booked a dance class for me. I remember I quite instantly got really hooked. So I was really drawn to wanting more of dance and dance classes. I really love the practice and doing the exercise and move. And I remember staying after class and watching the older and more advanced students. Um, and I was so impressed of what they were doing, all of their, you know, pirouettes and jumpings and all of that. But also, funnily enough, I remember watching them doing sit-ups for <laughs> a whole music track. Like, must have been three minutes something like this. And I was, I was sort of in a, in a shock. I was so amazed and oppressed and sort of a, a positive shock <laughs> because I thought... I didn't know anyone could do sit-ups for so long. <laughs> I remember that. And a few years later, uh, another incident, or do you say incident, but another experience was I had joined a preparatory course um, called the Swedish School of Performing Arts here in Stockholm. And uh, it lasted for a year. And at the end, we had the final show uh, in a theater for an yeah, for a live audience. And we had a few numbers. We had like the ballet number, we had a few modern numbers and and uh, and at the end we had like a jazz piece. And I remember walking off stage after the first piece, the ballet, and I had such a strong feeling in my stomach saying, I want to go back there. I want to go back on stage as soon as possible, <laughs> as quickly as possible. Right. Uh, and it wasn't that, I mean, I was looking forward to the show and all of that beforehand, but it was really a surprising experience for me. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. So yeah, that was that. But otherwise, yeah, I went to normal high school education in Stockholm and the dance classes were parallel to that. So they happened in the evenings and weekends and I took at least one class a day. So sometimes it was two classes. Uh, and at the end of my, when I graduated high school, 95, I felt I wanted to go abroad because then I had a feeling that everything happens abroad, which was of course not true, but that was what I felt then. And this is when I did the audition for the school in Munich and I was accepted. And two weeks later, I was in Munich and in Germany. So, wow. So your, your passion and your love for dance took you and you knew exactly what you wanted to do. And it took you right, right into this next sort of chapter of your life. It's so interesting. Um, so I, I really feel from you this, this deep love for dance that started at a very early age and kind of this um, pressing need to kind of continue on in your life. So you spent a lot of time out of Stockholm, as you just mentioned, first with the International School of Contemporary Dance in Munich, and then eventually making your own work and performing. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit, Anna, about where your dance journey took you as a professional performer and dance artist? Well, basically, basically I was traveling most uh, around in Europe, like touring and working, workshopping, uh, but occasionally also outside Europe. A few months before finishing the education, the dance school in Munich, I auditioned for a piece in the State Theatre in Munich, and I was taken as one of the characters there. Uh, and the piece was, or the production was supposed to go on for a year, which it did. Um, and as the, you know, the rehearsals were over and the premiere was over, we only had the shows at night and that would be maybe 10 to five times a month. So there was plenty of times to discover other places and choreographers and, and go to editions and things like this. Um, and so I thought, why not hang around here for a while and see, you know, if I'm good enough if people want to work with me, because I had a feeling I have no idea. I just love dancing. Uh, but apparently there was a lot of people that wanted to work with me. So I was doing I was doing a musical in Austria that first year. I was doing some shows for the German television. And I started to work quite intensively with some choreographers. Uh, yeah, so I was quite busy from the very start. Uh, yeah, and I was also doing my own pieces already then. Uh, and then this is a year later, I was picked uh, for a production in Berlin with the company, Kachivion Company. And this is actually where I met one of the dancers in the production that we're doing right now, The Moving Isolation, uh, Chiharu Mamiya. And this was 1998, so wow. it's quite a long time ago. Sure, and coming back yeah. around to, to meet this, this professional dancer again and, and do this project together, how cool. Yeah, that's great. So that was, yeah, so that was sort of the beginning. And Munich, it, if it wasn't before, it sort of became now my base and I could produce my own pieces in Munich in the choreographic center, Tanz the journey, like if I would pick a choreographer that I worked with as a dancer, uh, I have to mention Rosemary Butcher. 
from whom I learned so much, uh, a very intelligent woman, uh, artist, choreographer, and human being. Uh, and we were touring for a few years. And yeah, so as a dancer, performer, even actress, I was a lot on stage. And as a choreographer, artistic director for my own company and a haltering company, uh, it brought me all over Europe, uh, basically. And if I have to pick a theater that I worked in as a choreographer, it have to be the Teatro alla Scala in Milan, uh, which is not only world famous, but is also was also a super great place to work with. Of course, all professional people, but also that warmth and that so lovely people to work with there. So yeah, and yeah, so that was a great time. Uh, I was traveling a lot. I could be super egoistic because I had no family then. So no one home to take care of. (laughs) (laughs) Very focused on on honing your skills as a professional dancer, which we all know in the dance world. But I think for the listeners who don't know what that's like, it's, it requires a lot of time and discipline and and it is a full career in terms of um what's required of you to both hone your body and then be in the artistic process and the creation process and be physically mentally emotionally present so you fully understand that um just from from my perspective kind of as an american um who's traveled in europe but has this very romantic potentially even kind of idealized <laughs> um, um, idea of what it would be like to be a, a contemporary dancer in Europe. Um, can can you paint the picture for us, Anna, a little bit about your experience? What what would a day look like? Like say you're you're presenting work in Milan, as you just mentioned. And what is what would your day look like as a professional dancer in Milan um, making work? Um, because I think we we you know idealize this or romanticize this kind of from the American perspective. Would it be really interesting to hear what what that world is actually like um, for you? This is so funny. I love this question. I have to come back to what a day as a dancer in Europe is, but this is so funny because for me or for us is like US is like like to be a dancer in the US is like fantastic, amazing. And there are so many uh, great classes and amazing teachers and, you know, amazing big companies and small companies and theaters. So it's funny that you say <laughs> this romantic idea of Europe, but absolutely Europe is, um, I mean, it's a great place to be. And yeah, as I mentioned, it was very, you know, I could move very freely and, uh, I met tons of people and we met in festivals and it, workshops and of course doing works in different, you know, cities and countries and, uh, and Munich as I, my base were, as I mentioned before, is it is located in quite in the middle of Europe. So there's, I just take a train a few hours and then I end up in Vienna, Austria, or uh, in the other direction to in Zurich in Switzerland or it's one hour and then I'm in Italy. So it's, you know, it's very close to different big cities and other countries. And also in Germany, we have, you know, Berlin is not far away and Hamburg and and um, Frankfurt, Stuttgart, you know, all this. So it's, but also it's in France, Paris is not, I think it's five hours from Munich, mm-hmm. uh, even Belgium and Netherlands. So, so it's easy to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to just mention this uh, also because as we are like a traveling 
dance family, we can call it, <laughs> like you travel so much and <laughs> mostly uh, live and work in other places that we actually originally come from. There's And there is also no limitation as you do in, uh, within the language uh, if you compare with like spoken theater or even with opera, but we speak the language of choreography or movement, uh, a rhythm. So, you know, traveling around, it was a great uh, thing. I could meet all these international people and dancers. And I don't, and this is not only Europeans, but absolutely also from outside Europe. So to create this great network and meet these fantastic people coming from different cultures was amazing. But yeah, so a day as a dancer. <laughs> Normally, I remember, um, I remember like getting up. I'm quite a morning person, so I would get up, and I would sit on the floor, like in a lotus pose, you know, the yoga position, sure. uh, knitting something just to clear the mind. It was like a little bit meditation. That was my beginning. And then I could go out for a run for half an hour or something. So I get warm. And then and then I would go to the rehearsing center, uh, normally uh, a bit earlier than actually beginning. So I could warm up and do, even if we had a warm up, you know, let's say we would start at 10 o'clock, I would be there maybe 9.30 and warm my, myself, maybe repeat things that we did from the day before. Then we would start and then we would rehearse for five, six hours. Uh, and then, well, of course, I would have a break every now and then. Uh, but then normally I would then also go through the steps, the corrections that we've done, uh, the new things that we've done. Um, and yeah. And if there was a lot of muscle ache, I would take a hot bath or buy like some hot creams and, you, you know, take care of myself. Like sure. I was going to ask that uh, process. You know, <laughs> for, for most listeners who might go for a run for half an hour and then to say, and then I had a five hour rehearsal process where I'm <laughs> moving my body for as a, you know, as an athlete, as an artist for this amount of time. It's just amazing. Yeah. But it was actually but it was actually times, you know, I was doing like three, four, five productions at the same time. It was actually crazy. I remember thinking, how can I do five productions at the same time? And then, you know, I would maybe have a show running at night and doing another rehearsal during day. And I had my own production in my head, you know, <laughs> working on that. You know, and sometimes it's really crazy. But I loved it. I loved it. Yes, I got energy from if I was on stage Thursday and Friday morning, I went to another company doing another piece. It was I had so much more energy. So, yeah, it was it was crazy, but it was lovely and it was great. Yeah, (laughs) it is amazing how many resources I think we have as human beings that we don't potentially know that are there, our faculties for you know, emotional and physical and um, even mental capacities. And I think, I don't know, just speaking from personal experience, I've noticed that dance really brings those out and really pushes us to kind of um, almost the extreme sometimes, but also in this realization of like, yeah. wow, we are we are so capable of more than we realize, I think. So that's really lovely to imagine Absolutely. your life working and, and doing all these shows at once and keeping them all in order and... <laughs> It's a lot, it's a lot to manage. So anyway. It's funny, it's like sometimes 
Yeah, it's sometimes you get this question, how can you remember all the steps? How can you remember? And for me, it was like natural. Well, I have the, I've learned it and then I have them in my body. And I was amazed by actors, like, how can you remember that text? And they were like, well, I just, you know, it's the same for them. They just learn the text and they have it. And for us, I don't know. But of course, there was a lot of choreography <laughs> in my body <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And it's, it's amazing how, um, how it does stay there. And do you, do you find that you remember anything from years past still that it's still in your body or does it take a lot of sort of after, after performing all of these works to kind of recall as, as a lot, would be a lot of work. Like, could you say that in, you remember steps from a piece in 2000? <laughs> um, yes and no. Uh, and it's funny because I have colleagues that really remembers everything. And I think for me, it's sort of, a, I have a sort of a system in my head that, okay, that show is over. So I put those steps to the side to sort of open up for another production to come. Mm -hmm. But I had a few times I did a project and then it was sort of put on ice for, for a year or two years or several years. And then it was brought up again. Um, and then, you know, studying the video, of course, it comes back again quite quickly. Sure. So once there, it's somehow always there, but it might be very like far back or far down in the brain <laughs> to <laughs> let other things come in. Yeah. Yeah. You have to empty that space for more information. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Anna, so you have a very rich career of teaching and performing, um, but I would really like today to dig into your current project to share with our listeners what you're working on, um, Moving Isolation. We are all so familiar, I think, now with the feeling of isolation um, with the pandemic. And, you know, it's I think we just marked the year, uh, maybe perhaps in the United States, because I know, obviously, Italy happened. Things happened earlier, unfortunately, but of um, being in quarantine and people were posting sort of their first reactions on social media to being stuck inside and this sort of thing. So can you tell us what? Can you tell us about this project, Moving Isolation, that you're working on? Moving Isolation, yeah, it's a series of uh, documentary short films, four to six minutes long. And I recall sitting, as this all started with the pandemic and the lockdowns, sitting in my kitchen, and I've just read two different articles, different papers, um, but both thematize art in times of crisis. And I thought something awoke in me and I got the idea of an artistic diary with freelance dancers from all over the world. And as I just, as we just spoke about before, uh, the dancers are spread everywhere. So I have a lot of colleagues around in the world, but this was just me in my kitchen, March, 2020, uh, having this idea and this strong feeling of wanting to bring and join colleagues uh, of mine and freelance dancer choreographers as the pandemic starts to spread and uh, the lockdowns were called out uh, and which resulted in cancelled jobs and cancelled income of course as a result um, really from one day to another. So me sitting there, I really didn't have any expectations, really. I had this idea, and um, but there was nothing there except for me uh, and the idea. 
Uh, and of course, I thought if this idea somehow is working, if someone believes in this idea, in this project, uh, there would be some plans and wishes uh, from my side, but there was yet no team, there was no financial support. Um, and uh, if this idea would work, it needed, it needed to happen quite directly, quite mm -hmm. sudden, because it happened there and then. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, but basically moving isolation is definitely not about me sitting in my kitchen having an idea, but it is about, <laughs> but it is about these uh, beautiful artists that believed in this idea, really. And they said, as I was writing them on Messenger, you know, or an, an SMS, um, who said like, Anna, what a great idea. And yeah, of course, let's continue to move. We're not going to sit still. Let's be creative and let's be together and let's support each other and exchange with one another. And may it be in front of the screen, but let's refuse to sit still and do something and not just wait for someone else to do something for us, but let us make it happen. Uh, so it was really, I think it was three days. It happened within three days. I think I had this 15 or 17 dancers um, saying, yes, we're going to do it. And, and then we met. Yeah. So we met three or four days later. And as we went along uh, in this situation that we were sort of thrown into, if we, if we call it like that, uh, the creating process in front of the screen, uh, so different from when we meet in the studio. It was so interesting, I thought, that I quite instantly felt that this is the story I want to tell. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was never really after creating this perfect video dance clip. I guess for me, Moving Isolation became the story about the people doing the artwork as they do the artwork in the situation right there and then. I love that. And I'm, I just want to point out too, that um, I don't know, maybe this is obvious to our listeners, but I'm just sort of, it's just crossing my mind as you're talking is just your ability as not just an artist, but a human being to respond so quickly to what was going on in the world. I think it took me personally, like four months to register what was happening. I'm just, I'm so impressed by your, um, the immediacy that you had as, as an artist and then your response to what was happening globally is pretty, pretty cool to be able to, to just instantly lead something like that in, um, in what was, I think for many of us, just this like uh, coming to terms with it took a lot longer. Well, thank you. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. It somehow was a strong feeling. And for me, it was obvious that this is the right feeling. The only question would be, uh, Am I alone thinking that this is the right field, the right idea or a perfect idea to do? Or are there artists joining me in this one? Sure. <laughs> so they did, yeah. So I think I think if I can say, I, I think it's also about a story, the moving isolation is also a story about the freelance dancer and, and artists, uh, meaning not belonging or being engaging with only one company like dance company or culture institution or uh, also not even like fixed in one country or, or a city but I guess my attention was 
just to bring us together and 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 create and, and keep the creativity alive uh, and to tell our story absolutely so, yeah. yeah so i think on one side I, we try to tell the story with you know through dance and movement choreography and sound and music but also to plate this together with the individual story of the dancers and of the situation absolutely because i think we i think you know as as audiences relate to the dancer, right? This relationship of like the stage and buying a ticket and going and sitting in the audience yeah. and then, you know, seeing the performer and then maybe having a drink afterwards and saying, wow, that was a really great show. And this is what I felt. And then they go home and go to bed, you know, for to expose the, that this person is much more than the stage, <laughs> that these are individual human beings whose livelihoods have been greatly compromised and, and I, I think what you mentioned about um, the project moving isolation, capturing the process of this response to the pandemic rather than just sort of this perfectly curated another sort of refined performance, which of course, as you mentioned, there's a place for this, but to, to expose and to share this, um, this very human response, I think is, is really special. Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm happy you say that. I think also it has something special in I mean, we've seen a lot of private homes the last the the year passing. So I mean, either where where it was in a like an art piece or it was just in conference, you know, in home office um private. But I think actually in this project, I think also it has something to do that we're actually literally um join these dancers for a few seconds because we actually do enter their private homes and as you said we normally you go to the theater and there's a stage design uh there's a setting even if the setting would be a living room it was chosen to be like this on stage and here we enter you know also the dancers you know we arrange in our homes or wherever we are stuck some put some plans there and some take the chair away and things like this but still is like it's different than if we would have a stage designer there so i think that also make it quite um, private and in team absolutely and exposes sort of things we'll get to next which is about sort of the potentially some of the um pitfalls or challenges along the way so yeah <laughs> Before we get there, I'm really just curious how your work uh, with Music Moving Isolation has been funded. So how you're able to kind of make this project happen as a, an artist yourself? Well, generally, you know, one, you know, think of the concept. What do I want to do? Okay, I want to do this and I have my concept and I sit and write for it and develop it for maybe a few months, maybe even longer. And maybe I take some contacts over the time and then I feel I'm ready to apply for funds. And that could be like, you know, local or regional or national or international or in Europe, we have some European funds. And then to wait for the answer. And if it's positive, then you, you go. But moving isolation, it happened within, you know, three or four days. Uh, there was absolutely no time <laughs> to apply for money. Um, but gradually we became support so first it was just like 
covering some material costs. I could, you know, I could pay for the new camera that I bought and and things like this. And uh, Goethe Institute uh, was with us uh, early, Goethe Institute in Stockholm and Goethe Institute in Poland. But then, and this is really amazing, at uh, the end of the year, I got a call from Goethe Institute Stockholm with whom I had we had we had a great communication during this time and during moving isolation as the additions one by one came out and they were uh, asking if we can have a meeting and um so yeah of course we can have a meeting in two hours no problem uh, and then they asked me uh, or told me rather that they like to support the budget for two or three more editions to come Oh, wow. Uh, oh, fantastic. And yeah, this was really amazing. And I thought this never happened to me before that someone actually calling me up <laughs> saying, we want to pay for your productions. <laughs> but normally it's like me, oh, look at us. We're, look, the great work we're doing. Please give us some money. And yeah. you know, so yeah. that's this was really special. Oh, wonderful. That's what a, what a treat. And um, kudos to them for being uh, thoughtful enough to reach out to, to artists and support. How wonderful. It's really wonderful. And then we also, uh, at the end of last year for one edition, we also got great support from the Swedish Art Council. Yeah, we really, we really, really super grateful that we've come all the way. That's so great. So, mm. so, so as you've been making this work over the course of what has felt like a very long time, I think our sense of time just you know, independent of this project or anything is always, I, I feel a lot of people have been discussing the sense of time has changed and shifted, but a year ago you, you went ahead and launched in and you've done um, many, many of these moving isolation um, process films that are, um, are produced and shown on your uh, website and have been shared across social media with 10,000 audience members. So let's talk a little bit about the process of <laughs> filming and moving together with the dancers. Can you tell us a little bit about um, some of the challenges or you know potential just um, pitfalls of this process over being in person? Absolutely, there are, there are some challenges, I tell you. Uh, uh, obviously, um, and if you see this, if you watch the series, you can tell there's obviously some technical problems and uh, we have problems with the internet and uh, and with quality of pictures. Uh, but um, uh, it, it has become a part of the project. So you would see a picture like with one dancer, quite good, you know, quite good picture. And then it was switched to another one is really full of, how do you say, dizzy or not dizzy, but like, is not really clear maybe and uh and uh, you would hear someone like i think the internet connection is not really good at the moment just wait a second or something like this so so it sort of became a part of it's sort of the, it's it's part of the time it's part of where we are right now so it felt very natural to take things in uh like th things like this take it into the projects i think personally for me the biggest challenge or frustration rather um, is sometimes I can feel um, not being able to dig deeper into each movement. Like I would normally do in a studio, we would 
you know, research for movement. We could stay for hours with with a few move- movements, and they would develop and things like this. And but it's not possible here because it have to happen quite fast. Uh, we are all of us are in different rooms, in different countries, in different cities, even with different time zones, uh, and it's quite many of us. So it have to happen quite smoothly and sort of quickly. And the communication, um, like a challenge, is also like if you would be if we would be in a physical room together or physically together in a room. Um, then let's say there is a smaller issue or even smaller problem. We can speak about directly and solve it probably quite soon. Uh, like this, it's, you know, a little issue can take much, much longer um, because it's different. Yeah, it's different. We're not there in person. And and it's also if it's seven, 17 people, I don't like to mute, you know, when you're in this conference and I don't really like to mute people. But if you record, then, you know, someone says something important, maybe maybe in team or something, you know, and there's sound from 17 other people might be a coffee cup or something or a coughing, then that recording is not as good as if everyone else is muted. So, you know. I wouldn't say it's on the surface communication and movement because I really, really, really try to reach within as much as I can and also to try to give space for each and everyone taking part in this project. And so I really try to, you know, go as deep as I can, but of course it's different. Um, And we cannot physically be close and uh, we cannot physically touch, which is actually as we sit like this it feels like more important that we actually think so being physically with another as a dancer is really it's important even if it's not a dancing that we actually touch but as we instruct and as we learn from each other you know just a touch on the hand or giving a direction um is different do it physically body on body than with words that makes so much sense. Yeah. I think that that as you're talking and describing this is just, you know, the the idea of uh maybe a day-to-day person who's not a professional dancer, the the you know, the business uh agreement in an office might be a handshake or maybe a hug. But uh-huh. in the business of dance, we think about, oh my goodness, like constant body contact you know and giving each other's weight and lifting each other and holding each other and very intimate sort of agreements of body language and I think um, to have that all taken away very fast and then be really physically isolated is just has been extremely challenging so yeah I can imagine the um, the the hang-ups or the challenges of being behind computer screens to be probably frustrating originally and you know when it first started out um so so as you're moving together and dancers are in kind of different time zones and different um uh you know screens 
the process would be that you would have different dancers lead at different moments, uh, movement vocabulary. Is that right? And then the others would sort of follow. Can you talk a little bit about the, the process in general? Yes, that's very, I'm happy that you brought up that because that is very important to me that to mention that all of us are choreographers and is not, yes, I do. I did sort of event, I came with that, with this idea and I do lead the project. I do the organization and I do the cutting and things like this. Yes. But it's very important to me that uh, all of us involved in this project, we're all creating this together. Uh, and so this is also part of the concept that we actually do create together. So basically it's very, and also this was important to me, it needs to be simple. It needs to be simple so the dancers, uh, they must not prepare anything before the meeting because in the beginning, as I said, there was no funding. So uh, I said, what we would need is about two hours due to maybe even if you need to leave earlier, you can leave earlier, but let's say two to three hours. And in this two to three hours, we will create everything and we record. So this is everything that I need from you. And then maybe if we want, we could meet extra afterwards. Um, yeah. So we go gradually, like one by one, we create and then we build it together during this meeting. And also as I record. Wonderful. Yeah. So it's it kind of engages each artist to be very present in both the sort of the ability to follow, but also to create. I love that. I love that. And then, as you mentioned, you've done the, you've guided the whole concept of the project and the editing of the videos after to share um, on social media. So there's a lot of um, different pieces to the project. And I, I've been thinking along the way of sort of, as I learned about moving isolation, just became very excited. Watching the videos are so moving, really, really touching um, in the way that you um, not only present the work, but also kind of edit these films together. And I hope that our audiences who are listening to this podcast will take some time to go to your website and look at the videos and really learn about them in succession. It's great to watch them kind of from start to finish, but or at least present moment, I guess there's no finish yet. But um, I'm curious, just personally, what do you, what do you personally miss about the the pro since you've been doing this project about the process of dancing in person versus over over film i definitely miss being together for real basically uh using the space together uh, being 3d <laughs> so uh, in front of the computer it's so much focus down mostly down <laughs> in this little flat screen uh the room become so limited compared to when you're in studio with other dancers because it's so much focus in this little screen. Uh, so I definitely miss that. I miss, I miss the touch, as we spoke about just a minute ago. I miss the smell. Um, I miss having more time with the dancers, uh, moving together in the same physical room and getting life impulses. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I know it's a, uh, I know that some dancers are been able to return like a, you know, San Francisco ballet is back um, with their masks on in a studio, but they're only able to move in certain ways with certain people. And my goodness, it's just the, I think 
just the freedom of touch and the freedom of connection has been so compromised. So, um, okay. So there have been some really interesting revelations that the dancers um, that you shared with me with the dancers that have um, shared with you in this process. And do you mind sharing with us some of the revelations that the dancers have had um, that have worked with you in the process of this project about um about the work and what it's brought up for them. It's amazing. The, you know, we chat, we chat before we meet and we chat after we've met and we chat after we released a, a movie. And it's really amazing this coming together and the, how they appreciate the, well, they appreciate the work. Of course, it's, I mean, I'm grateful, but also they appreciate so much just meeting and just being creative, just the concept of this project so that the films has been so successfully it's just a bonus (laughs) (laughs) but I yeah I have actually two so the one is from like a chat that a private chat but I asked the dancer if it's okay to to share and she said it's totally fine for her so this would be autumn 2020 Uh, she writes dear Anna today is a difficult day another lockdown is hard for the mind and Uh, physiology to handle no theater no performances no rehearsals from monday your work gives us so much positiveness you cannot imagine i see the connection between us with beautiful souls that i haven't even met and yet i feel we are not alone we have each other anna i just i actually almost just teared up a little (laughs) yeah I mean, that is, uh, yeah, I think the, it makes sense that Goethe reached out to you to support this project because it's almost like a a focus on humanity and what it's like to bring love and joy to each other and such incredibly distancing and terrible lonely time I love I love that response of I didn't think about it in that way this idea of like the artists working together but also connecting with people they actually hadn't met I didn't think of it yeah. that way that's really really cool yeah so she also says um uh it's crazy to get this feeling with people I haven't even met yet <laughs> <laughs> So that's really cool. That is yeah. so cool. It makes me wonder if if uh when the time is right, if you'll all get to come together and and make live works all in the same same physical space. Really yeah. Cool. There is a great wish within us to meet, but also funny, some who watched this, like some audience, uh said, like, when do you meet in person? <laughs> so we all wish for that one day. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know how the time is, but if you like, I could share another one. Oh, please. Yes. Yeah. So this is, you know, it's always when I edit, it's like kill your darlings all the time, all the time, because it's amazing stories. And I have to cut like 15 to 17 dancers stories together with the movement and the music. And still it should be like a dramatic bow from the beginning to the end. Uh, and things like this. So it's like, oh, this story is so lovely, but I can't fit it in. This is from a recording in a meeting uh, with all of us. 
uh, and this is also late 2020, it had different phases this year somehow. The whole year you tried to find solutions with what you are confronted with, making the best out of it and trying to use the time somehow. In the beginning, it was nice to have time for research, like how to slow down a bit. But I also miss the information from outside, like going to performances and see other artists work. It's interesting to see the difference in seeing live art performances in theaters. And if you just consume the art through this medium, through digital devices. It is also a big difference to have a live interact and there's also more space for dancing. It's like in the beginning you think, oh, what a great challenge. You have a small room to take a dance class. How do you deal with the space? Great artistic approach. How to feel comfortable? Like there is the bed and there is another furniture there, you know, and you like try to squeeze the dance a little bit. But then after a while, you start to think, oh, it would be so good just to jump free and not being scared to hit the lamp. <laughs> oh, I love yeah. that. I I, <laughs> I think in one of the videos you did edit together, uh, like maybe the dancer was from France. Maybe I'm wrong. But anyway, someone yeah. said at one point in the video in the films, um, I cannot jump because my ceiling is too low. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's something similar. Yeah. So it's true. Oh, goodness. Oh, my gosh. And, Love yeah, that. And so, you know, and some dancers, they have more space and others has like super little. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A little different. So, so we've discussed kind of the hangups and the, the pitfalls of, um, you know, connecting over video. And I think you mentioned one of the, the opportunities video has afforded you um, just this this opportunity to work with other artists, but are there other things that um, this process kind of brought about for you that was new and potentially good that you hadn't experienced before um, as a dance maker? I mean, we are learning by doing, really. This process, I mean, we learned, of course, all of us, we learned how to use these devices and the platforms that we're using and how to communicate. We spoke about a little bit earlier uh, in a different way than being in the studio. So this has not only been bad things, but also things that we've learned and, and positive things and discovered other things, you know, in, in the form of a video or in front of a screen and different, definitely different angles working on a screen than in a studio or in a theater. And also how to read movements, definitely different than in the studio. But uh, to be honest, I am not an educated editor. And uh, I did some editing before uh, with picture and sound. But now I'm really editing films. And I hadn't done that before. So through this last year that passed, I uh, got myself an education. <laughs> I was, um, and I was lucky I could enter some how do you say, I was invited without costs uh, for editing course, just as I'd done the first film. So that was great. And YouTube is a perfect place to go if you have a question about editing. There's so much material there. Yeah, so we learned a lot. But also, yeah, but also connections, to be honest. Um, 
we are isolated or at least we're not allowed to travel. We should not travel. Um, we should not, definitely not, or we cannot mingle at premieres uh, in the theater as we used to do before the pandemic. So we don't meet and build our network this way as we used to. But through this digital project, actually, we were able to reach out in another way. And um, except for, let's say, me bringing these beautiful people together in this project and them connected, I have definitely met people and got important connections and and you and me met through this project, we can say. Uh, so I wouldn't have met these people um, or connection uh, in, or at least in not that way without this project. So yeah, that have also been fantastic. So that's great. I'm very grateful. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah. My husband and I were actually discussing the other day, and this is potentially obvious to most people, but it had just really occurred to me in a really real way. It's just like, when in the history of man have we all across the globe experienced the same thing? I mean, you think about war, like world wars, but some countries are not involved or whatever. I mean, it's astounding to think that this is in our lifetime, the thing that we will all have experienced. And it's in a way it's very isolating, but in a way it's um, bringing us together in these kind of strange (laughs) unintended ways, I think. So, um, okay. So I just have a question. I don't know um, how you're thinking about this, but do you think, do you think this project hints at a future in in kind of the way that dance will be in the future where do you think that do you think that you know this will continue this video making or do you do you sense that we'll be so hungry to get back and work together I mean how do you how do you think these types of processes will be for us in the future for sure I think it's already here very strongly even before Corona, you know, with the social media and, but for sure during the time of closed theaters, museum arenas, um, artists really now have learned to express themselves even more through social media and video art, um, for sure. So I think this is nothing that will be blown away as, as the theater starts to open again. But I also definitely, and I'm really convinced that the tradition of live art and theaters are so historical and so rooted that when the audience is allowed to come in live again, they will, I'm convinced. Uh, Maybe not everyone at once and maybe not the same audience as before Corona, but gradually they will, I'm quite sure. And I think there is a strong urge for the artists to go live and meet a live audience again, uh, as well as for the audience to see live performances. Uh, But I'm also quite sure about that we will see a lot more of uh, cross performances too, like, or more cross performances than before, like, um, like live and video art together, or live and technique perform together. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think there's the, it's interesting how the each will play into the other and um, it's it's exciting. I think there is a lot of kind of nuances that are coming out and new ways to think about how dance exists in the world and ways that it can permeate other, other 
um, careers or policy decisions or government, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about how it will reach out a little further. Um, but yes, but this return to the theater will also be much needed, I think. I think so. I really hope so, but I really also think so. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite um, uh, things a friend said to me recently in the dance field, which was I found very comforting, was, and it, it actually mirrors a lot of what you did immediately, your response to Corona and the, the pandemic, which is, you know, he said to me, he said, you know, Hillary, the the future of dance is in our hands. It's not out of our hands. It's not being decided by somebody else. It's being decided by us. And I, I was so comforted by that because I realized, you know, that there is not some sort of distant source of the magic wand saying, this is what's going to happen to dance, but it's really up to dance artists and dance pioneers like yourself to really think about kind of how we lead in these next stages. So I was excited, excited about that. <laughs> So Anna, um, our time is drawing to a close, but I want to make sure to share with our audiences and we'll, we'll be sure to publish this on our, um, on our website as well. But to those who are hearing over Spotify or Apple, Apple Music, um, can you tell us a little bit about how we can engage with your work and where to find uh, Moving Isolations online? Yeah, I'm uh, more than happy to share and connect. So you can find me and my artwork in general at www.annahalter.com. And there you will also find the Moving Isolation productions and the films. But there's also a Facebook site, which is called Moving Isolation. So that's very easy to find. Yeah. Great. And there is also Goethe Institute as Stockholm, but also Warsaw, they did a beautiful um, presentation of the work. Uh, it is in Swedish and German, but the films are the same. So you can also go to their website, you will see. Thank you. So yeah, I guess that's it. That's and I love to I love to be in contact. So anyone listen and feeling that this project is interesting uh, and I like to hear more or see more I don't be shy to connect. <laughs> Wonderful. Maybe you'll be making um, feature films next with a, <laughs> the amount of dancers that'll be flooding your inbox. <laughs> but um, Anna, it's sincerely a pleasure to connect and talk with you, really just to connect with you in general, but also to hear more about your story and the process of moving isolations and excited to share this work with um, more audience members. I'm so personally so interested in your project and look forward to where it unfolds next. So thank you for joining us today on Museum of Dance podcast. Thank you. Museum of Dance is a nonprofit organization. We work to preserve and contextualize the universal art of dance for the greater public through innovative exhibitions, diverse educational programs, and accessible archival collections. Explore what moves you at museumdance.org. You can sign up here for emails, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram.